0: Hello and welcome to Comms Across Continents, our third episode. I'm Patrick Holbert, Head of Content at Simply Communicate.
1: And I'm Aish Rajaveli, Content Executive. Patrick, who have we got in the hot seat today?
0: We've only got Comms Royalty, Aish. Today we're speaking to Stephen and Cindy Crescenzo, founders of Crescenzo Communications. Stephen and Cindy have been in the comms space for over 20 years and have worked with and trained thousands of
1: communicators. They're consultants who work with IC professionals to take the corpora out of corporate comms and replace it with creative. Steve and Cindy have worked with teams worldwide and have delivered their own talks and workshops in England, Europe, Canada, Brazil, Australia, New Zealand.
0: That's basically the world, isn't it? I think this is great. I've got a feeling this is going to be a really funny one too, Aish. Let's get started. So, Cindy and Steve, thank you ever so much for for uh, joining us this morning for you um, and this afternoon for us in sunny Blighty. Um, so, let's let's get straight to the point. Your website says communicators turned out too much crap. We're not used to seeing this on websites when people are looking to uh, get money off their clients. Can you elaborate, Can you elaborate a bit on that for us?
2: All right, a little bit. Do you want me to start? Go, go for it. All right, she doesn't, yeah. she, she doesn't let me talk, you know, very often. But I'll I'm, interrupt. I'm allowed, I'm allowed, to, I'm allowed yeah. to speak once in a while. Um, Permission granted. You know, it's just the bottom line is there's something about communicators that they need to be liked. They want to be liked. They, they become sort of a, um, this is about, you know, communications across continents, right? So this is a good example right here. We call it the company Kinko's, but most people in the UK or Europe or Asia would not know what Kinko's means. It's like a copy shop. You call it an order and they fill your order. And then, you know, whether it's a PowerPoint or whatever the printing need is. And uh, I think, I think a lot of communicators in the States here, at least and all over the world, really become that company order taker. And uh, everybody has, you know, you want a PowerPoint deck? I'll give you that. You want a news release? I'll do that. You want a speech? I'll do that. You want an article on the internet? They never say no. They never say no. They're constantly on deadline, other people's deadlines. People come to it at the, the last minute. They're never involved in the beginning of the process. So they're constantly running around, putting out fires, sitting on a burning, burning platform. They're uh, they're just churning, 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 and they're churning too much, and it's crap. And what happens is they they start writing and creating content for the approver rather than for the end user, which is the employee. You know, the internal client wants this, so I'm going to create this for that internal client. He wants to have a really bad photo of, People standing in a row, holding a plaque, you know, the execution of dawn photo or the soccer kick penalty photo, whatever you want to call it. And they just go by the marching orders of the internal client without ever thinking, is anybody ever going to look at this or, or, you, or read this or watch this or whatever it might be these days? And they end up writing for an audience of one, which is the internal client, because that's the only person that reads it. Um, so I think I think we, we have to learn how to be more focused, which is where Cindy comes in. Because what we do is uh, as consultants, we go in and we help people regain their focus. We call it, what's your communication manifesto? What What are you here for? Are you here to be everybody's you know, uh, copy boy? Are you here to here to be all things to all people? Or are you here to help the business succeed? And that's where she comes in with that.
3: Absolutely. I mean, from, Steve gave the perspective of a communicator and why we tell them you turn out too much crap. On the flip side of that. Uh, my focus in Sensor Communications is I run all of our client communication audits. I
2: run all the focus groups, all the surveys, all the interviews. I, would, I wouldn't say you run all the audits. I think I do. I, I'm the CEO of the company. I run. My title. <laughs> I, 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 I allow Stop her to be in charge of stuff. <laughs> but
3: anyway, when you when you do talk to employees, <laughs> they'll tell you. You know, you can you could take it from the communication perspective. You know, we like to show communicators best practices when you are strategically plugged into the organization, this is what communications, effective communications looks like. On the flip side of that, we're also able to just share all of the millions of stories we have collected over the years of employees who are just fed up. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, is that when you are creating content Turning it out, turning it out, and turning it out, and not really thinking about that end user. You are communicating to those audiences, and you're basically telling them that they don't matter, and that you don't care, that you're just doing your job, and I'm getting out, which is exactly the opposite of what any communicator wants to do, right? So, um, it's it is something that Steve and I are super passionate about, only because a, it's fixable, um, but b, if we can move more towards a strategic arm of our organizations. We can contribute to a culture that's really kind of phenomenal, and uh, that's what we love to do.
0: But how do you say to the one, the one, the one client that that you you tend to churn out the crap for? How do you say to the one, the one client who quite regularly might be the CEO? How do you say, um, screw you? Uh, I'm going to do it my way. How, how do you how do you <laughs> stop-
2: I, 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 I say screw you. I'm going to do no. I, and then I, I, I go and I fix it. That's, <laughs> that's the way this works. She just <laughs> followed around cleaning up after me is what really happens with our clients. No, it's it's really based on what works and what's effective. And that's where data comes in. That's where measurement comes in. That's where, you know, be, looking at it from a st- strategical point of view, it's like, okay, well, you say to the CEO of the internal client, I can send out that email, but I had metrics that show that nobody's opening up these emails. I had metrics that show that nobody read your blog because it sucks. No, part of being a consultant in this business is going into companies and telling Important people that their baby's ugly. Like your your video, your your nine minute video blows. It's 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 horrible. It looks like a hostage video. You're you're reading a script into the into the camera, and it's like there's somebody with a machete standing in the back of you, and you're just going, oh, yes. And we're going to leverage the core competencies and shift paradigms until we can grab our low hanging fruit, and in order to be a, the best solutions provider in the world class. Blah 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 blah. blah. It, nobody nobody pays attention to that stuff. Our job is to make the important interesting. And when we go into our clients, I say safety, wellness, corporate initiatives, new product launches, you know, all the stuff that we communicate is incredibly important. Our job is to make it interesting as communicators. And that's where great writing comes in, great content comes in and guess what? They see all this great content in the real world where they live. Then they come in the corporate world and it's all stiff and formal and one way, top down. It's, terrible visuals. It's, it's just corporate. We always, we, one of our things is take the corporate out of corporate communications and replace it with creative. Start doing consumer quality creative work inside the organization. And I think if you would agree that the way to make that happen, you know, our, our motto is do less and do it better. That's what we tell all our clients, do less and do it better. And when it works and the communicators start getting accolades and the communi- they run a campaign that, changes the, the culture of the company, the changes that drives an initiative that, you know, they get accolades and they get that, you know, proverbial seat at the table. They become a, a strategic counselor to leadership instead of just an order taker for everybody else. Yep.
0: Is this why you founded Crescendo uh, um, Communications what, 15, 20, between 15 20 years ago? Is, is, it, is it these frustrations that were born out of you and you were just boiling up and you thought, I can go into an organization and fix this? Is that, the, is that how it was born?
2: No, no, it was born because I realized early on that I couldn't work for anybody else. Um, I like to take naps. Naps are very important to me. Um, you know, I like to have happy hour, three, eight, three in the afternoon sometimes. I, so that was what really born it. But obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, not really. But um, it, yeah, I saw an opportunity that, wow, um, we could go inside companies and do training and do audits and do all the stuff that we do. And actually make a difference. Yeah. And you know, they and you know, we're never at a loss for work, to be perfectly honest, because everybody struggles with this. Everybody struggles to get it right. And there's uh, always
3: new challenges. There's always, you know, even pre-COVID people were struggling with gosh, how do we make people feel that they're a part of something bigger, that it's not just this job and you know we want people to be proud of where they work we want people to contribute we you know all of these things keep popping up and it never goes away which is is kind of a cool thing um we always get new challenges i mean covid has probably given us the biggest challenge of all time uh yeah but- the, the biggest
2: challenge is that we've been quarantined for two years <laughs> together just the two of us that's the biggest challenge we stand can't, for help we can't stand each <laughs> other anymore <laughs> I <knew that'd> be- <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah, it's it's that it's an awesome thing to be a part of to um, figure go into organizations and you just know you know when you get in there that you you can deliver some great ideas for them to really help their unique circumstances. Everyone's got their everybody all communicators kind of struggle generally with the same things, but what changes it is that when you walk in their doors and you really understand their culture, their business there's very unique, it becomes very unique and that's where it becomes a lot of fun for us to figure out what, how do we, how do we take this best practice and customize it for the person we're working with? So it makes sense for yeah. them. Yeah.
2: And the other thing that's very rewarding is that communications, the industry is filled yeah. with creative, talented people
3: 100%. that, that,
2: that left, left to their own devices. They would do fantastic work. But I, I remember I was teaching a, a, a content workshop for Boeing, uh, here in Chicago. And there was 80 communicators in the room and i'm talking about it was a writing workshop i'm talking about writing great headlines getting writing great leads getting good quotes strong visuals and you know i'm walking around there's probably 80 people in the room and i'm walking around on the breaks i'm talking to most of them and i realized that they're all ex-journalists that came to work for boeing i'm thinking oh my god this presentation is way too basic it was a full day workshop i'm like i'm talking to ex-journalists how to write a headline and at the end of it this guy john came up to me and he's like and I thought he was going like, to you know, yell at me and say it was too basic, would a have wasted my time. Um, and he goes, Steve, I've been at Boeing for five years. This is the best training I've ever received. I said, John, that blows me away, and I'm so appreciative, but, I mean, you had to know all this stuff, right? He goes, oh, yeah, I knew it at one point, but being at Boeing for five years has sucked it out of me. And that's what happens. There's some really great communicators, great writers, great videographers out there, but the corporation tends to suck that creativity out of you. Um, again, the approval processes and internal politics and the fear of doing something new—that's um, all present everywhere we go. Yeah. So we try to help people overcome that and, and do their best work. I, I guess half of that is is is
0: is is the challenge, especially um, the nervousness. So before, I simply communicate where I can make mistakes and everything's great, and I can break a website and I don't get sacked. Okay. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't anyway. I mean, one day I might find out otherwise. But before that, I was at Oxford University Press. Um, so I was head of PR and uh, obviously over 500 years old. And just to sneeze, um, you need 20 sign-offs. Uh, and it's entrenched in five, 500 years of culture. So how do you find that balance of kind of, I, I guess, yeah, creativity um, from, an, from an, you know, an internal perspective? Because anything internal becomes external, as we all know. Uh, yeah. That kind of between creativity and, and kind of, I suppose, corporate, uh, you know, kind of that, that risk factor? How, how do you get there? Because, you know, it, may, it could take another 500 years at Oxford University Press to be able to get that monthly newsletter done, you know? So, um, so how do you get there?
2: Well, I think one, one of the ways is, you know, education. I, I don't think communicators educate their audiences enough, their internal audiences, about what works and what doesn't. You know, the bottom line is anytime that you want to make a shift from doing standard old corporate communications where you know 15 people have to sign off on it and they're all very conservative and they're all they're all afraid of their own shadow, um, that communication doesn't work. It doesn't work, especially these days. Everybody has limited attention spans and everybody has 18 million choices for what they want to do, from Slack to Twitter to TikTok to Yammer you know, whatever it might be. If you're just churning out that corporate stuff because it's safe and it, and it meets the approval process, it's not going to work. So then we go in and Cindy does do you know all the research. She doesn't head up research. I run I, it. I'm Steve. the boss. I run um, it. I allow her to head up research. And um, you, know, you go in there and, and you do the metrics and you do the research, you do the focus groups, you do the surveys, you do post surveys and it's, stuff's not working. <laughs> so the first thing is, hey, I'm going to prove that it's not working with data. Secondly, I'm going to show you there's different way of doing things. And third, here's like 35 case studies of, from big companies, big conservative companies. That's what we're able to offer. Like, we've worked with Lockheed Martin, General Motors, Nokia over in Helsinki, um, Standard, Standard uh, Financial in, in London. We've worked all over the world. Petrobras, oil company down in Rio. I've worked in Saudi Arabia. We have case studies from all those places. We're, they're doing crazy creative work. And you're right, Patrick, you just said everything internal goes external flip that and make that a positive make that a positive if you do something a great internal campaign why shouldn't it go external on the social media that's our biggest thing i was like let's create something great internally and then use it as a branding opportunity or recruiting opportunity or you know whatever pr opportunity out in social media so yep
3: and i also just want to add is you know back to what we've already kind of said is that It's our job um, as consultants to go in and not just deliver these cookie cutter, this is what we did for Intuit, it's going to work for you, you know, going into different industries, some are stuffier than others, and uh, you've got to acknowledge it, and it's our job to really understand our clients' culture, um, the 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 way that they do business, their language, that type of thing. Because when we say, you know, you got to be more creative in corporate communications, that doesn't mean that every company is going to be, you know, like Google and sending out like amazing social campaigns internally. We understand that, right? But it's about finding what is it for your organization within whatever restraints that you're in. There's always a way to do better. There's always a way to make it more consumer style. It might be as simple as, we're going to stop doing CEO communications with the title from the desk of dot, 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 you know, old school corporate communications. Let's have our executives sound human. Let's, let's do Q and A's with them. Instead. Let's, you know, have them do video profiles.
2: Have them do a, have them do a, a video selfie. Like, like yeah. the president of Ukraine is changing the world by talking into his phone and showing those videos. Um, you can't tell me the CEO has to have, two cameras, yeah. a green room, a script, right. a PowerPoint, they can, we're, we're coaching our CEOs to just talk for a minute, tell okay. employees what's up, tell them what you want them to know. Um, yeah. That can happen almost anywhere. And, and exactly. I always say- it's like
3: finding that balance.
2: I always say, don't communicate to the culture that exists. Communicate to the culture that you want to be. You know, if you just stay within the parameters all the time and don't push it at all, you're going to turn out a lot of crap. Yeah, back to Pointe
1: um and mark mentioned earlier when we were speaking to him but this simply session that was the best session ever can you tell us a little bit about it what did you what did you talk about
2: well i am not sure which we've spoken
3: well before. i think it's that one-two punch when we were on stage we did our q a with mark but then we did our workshop with him as well so oh I think okay so
2: that was that was, that was oh, the very last time we were there the last time we were there yeah he actually asked us to come up without a powerpoint without any slides and just sit on stage um, which I hate because, you know, I, I'm, I'm fat and I don't like to sit. I like to move around so people don't get a good look at me um, and just answer questions from the audience. And it got, I guess I got the highest rating in the conference um, because I think it's because we we speak from our hearts. I really do. I think it's we say things that everybody knows, but nobody says. We say things that, you know, our, our rea- the reality of our life is that we are often stuck in a churn and churning out crap. And then the next day we did a workshop, our full day workshop, to call the master class, which we're offering again in a couple months, and uh, that went over very well. So I think that was it. I, you know, we, we try to, you know, we, we try to pre- practice what we preach, right? Yep. We say be creative, don't be corporate. So we're creative and not corporate. Um, I've been known to utter a swear word or two up there. I mean, I'm, we're just or very two, or two, or, or three, you know, or four. Um, Yeah. Um, It's uh, it's just I think we're very real and we speak from the heart is what is what I think attracts people to us. Yeah.
1: Could give anyone in just starting out in internal comms three tips. What would they be?
3: I have one. All right, go ahead then. You you could take number two. All right. Number one, think like a marketer. Think yeah. like a marketer too many times. Um, my background before I jumped into internal communications was external marketing. Uh, I was the director of marketing for the Chicago symphony orchestra for a while, which she, awesome. she was She the
2: director of marketing for the Chicago. <laughs> and she gave that up to work with me. I know so that's that question her credibility right there.
3: <laughs> no, but the, the thing that I noticed the most when I made the jump from external marketing communications to corporate communications, specifically employee communications is just how different the mindset was as far as don't you want to know if it works like what what are we trying to do you know a lot of times i would ask um some of the clients that we were working with you know what was the goal of this whether it's just this all staff email to you know what was the goal what were you trying to achieve and a lot of times people would just look at me and say no one's ever asked us that before it's just on our editorial calendar, it's what we do. We send out the e-newsletter twice monthly. This is what we do. Check the box. Um, Check the box. We're but, done. So I, I think that that's the biggest thing. If you're always thinking like a marketer internally, and by that I mean it's more than just communicating to employees. There are different segments that you need to really define specifically within your organization. And what makes them tick? What does their workday look like? Um, how, how we all have to, you know, communicate strategic priorities to all employees, but you don't do it the same way. You know, you really need to find out how do you do it differently. So that actually means something to all the different audience segments that are out there.
2: So that's my tip number one. Do do we have time for tips two and three after that? After (laughs) that long answer? Oh my God. Sorry. She's actually exactly right. She's exactly right. I hate to give her credit. Um, I would say two and three would be number two. Don't be afraid to speak truth to power. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of executive interviews um, as part of our audit. Uh, we, we do executive interviews. She, Cindy does all the focus groups, the surveys. I usually do the executive interviews in the vehicle analysis where I look at the channels and the content. And you talk to these executives, and a lot of them are desperate for, for advice and, and and coaching. And they're 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 they they are they are they do not want to be bad communicators. So don't be afraid to speak truth to power and say, Sir, you're ma'am, you're your eight minute video blog, nobody's watching it. You might as well ask them to watch, to watch Gone with the Wind. It's, it's it's eight minutes is a huge, you can't do that. Speak truth to power and they they more often not appreciate, if you do it properly, they appreciate it. The third thing is write, learn. I'm shocked at how many communications professionals come into this field without a writing background. And the writing writing is at the core of everything. Yeah. I teach a lot of writing workshops. We do customized workshops where I I take all the company's materials and we edit them and we redo them and all that fun stuff. I mean, from written word to video, to podcast, to whatever. It's all based on writing. It's all based on words. So read everything you can about writing, take courses on writing, come out of college. If you, if you came out of a college without a great writing background, your college did you a disservice. So do it on your own, take workshops, take trainings, read about it, read books on writing,
3: refresh yourself. If you did have a good background. I mean, it changes constantly. Just yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. So that's one, two and three. Thank
0: you very much. Back to number one, Cindy. Um, we've got a lot of um some of the vendors now are looking at marketing grade automation, so that their their machine um, is is getting a bit more intelligent on what it's churning out, where it's churning out, and what time. Do you think that's the future? Do you think that this will be a slower ad- um, adoption by corporations? and do you think in ten years this is just going to be the norm?
3: Absolutely. I, I think all of those things. I think uh, right now, internally, people are a little bit leery of, you know, Big Brother watching internally. What does that mean? But the fact of the matter is, is that that is what people expect in their everyday worlds. You know, you don't go to Netflix and enter into the search bar, like 5 million things before you find what you want to watch. You turn it on, it automatically knows who you are, what's your history, what do you like, what you don't like, and bam, it's, it's right in front of you. Um, we have to match that internally. There shouldn't be such a huge disconnect when you walk inside your organization. It just makes it feel antiquated and just cold and sterile, right? So I definitely think AI is going to be a huge trend. It will, like everything, take a lot longer internally than externally to be adopted. But I mean, any modern tool these days has some sort of element of that. You start right. to see it. Uh, more and more. So it's a really exciting time. It makes our job as communicators so much easier. I mean, especially coming from a marketing audience profiling segmentation perspective. If the technology can help do that for you, oh my gosh, that that's such a huge opportunity. And, and there's gonna
2: be a huge business case for it. I and mean, if you if you don't have that kind of technology set up, you're not gonna get the best and brightest of this younger workforce that's coming true. in that are that yeah. grew up on this, that are used to this, that they're used to this Netflix world, this YouTube world, this you know automated cuss AI, all the stuff, and then you come to an internet that's like the world's biggest junk drawer of of forms and and <laughs> old articles and stupid articles and bad articles and bad video and outdated stuff. You're not. You're not. It just gives your your company a black eye to all these young recruits that you want to come into the into the workforce
0: you know we've been nattering Aisha it's my fault we we're supposed to be doing comms across continents and here I am just just taking us down these pigeonholes um you 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 work with with organizations all over the world um so let's get into the nitty gritty around the nuances and around your experience as well the good the bad and the ugly i know that you've you've got a couple of stories for me um so uh, so sh- shall we let you kick off and shall we go from there and sure. see where what- yeah
2: let's 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 do we got a couple of stories for you so you know when you do global communications As an American, Um, first of all, you always have to apologize for being American because of people like (laughs) Trump and and Bush and, you know, (laughs) bad leaders. But is not about politics. We're not going to talk about that. I apologize. That's a different podcast. Sorry. But as soon as you get done, apologize for being the ugly American and, you know, apologize for your countrymen, basically. Um, You got to get to work. And uh, this one story to me captures it perfectly. I was working for a huge company, and I won't name the company, in Saudi Arabia which was a big challenge. I mean, just traveling there from here was a big challenge. And um, I went over there and Cindy was not allowed to go. Um, Cindy was not allowed even to, to tell them them about talking on the phone.
3: Yeah, so one of the functions that I have in addition to running audits is setting up all of our contracts with people and uh, they just wouldn't talk to me because I'm female. So I had to have a male interpreter, which was crazy because they were speaking English, um, so I'd, I'd be on a conference call, and they would just talk to this wonderful man, Neville, um, miss him, uh, they would talk to him, and he would literally, so they'd say, so we're looking to bring Steve over in December, and he would literally get closer to the conference phone and say, Cindy, they're looking for a
2: December <laughs> date,
3: like, it was just so ridiculous, it was uh, so out
2: I, of control, I, yeah. So I, I had to go over there, like, three or four times on my own, and i I'm not I'm not real good on my own, to be honest, anymore. I've gotten so used to having my wing man here, my wing woman. <laughs> um, so I went over there. I did the audit myself. I did focus groups. I did um, I did a mini survey. I did executive interviews, and then I came back another trip to report it. And this is just how cultures are so different. I had a they gave me a two hour presentation with the main guy, right? And if that worked, then I was going to take it up the ladder to the next main guy, and then the next main guy. Well, my first meeting, I had two hours. He showed up. You know, he had the flowing robes and the the headdress and everything, Uh, showed up an hour and 20 minutes late. And I had two hours. So now i got 40 minutes left, right? Then he sat there and he talked in Arabic uh, to all the other people in the room for another 15 minutes. And I didn't understand a word he was saying. So now I got about maybe 25 minutes tops to do a two hour presentation. I had 44 slides. I didn't get past slide number three because when you do an audit presentation, the first half is diagnosing all the problems, all the issues. And this company had a lot of issues. All the employees were unhappy. Morale was low. Lack of transparency. But I didn't realize that in Saudi Arabia that they don't want to hear the negative. Um, it's losing face. It's losing, losing face. It's you know it's embarrassing to them. So this guy started questioning every negative thing I was saying. But I was going to say when you do an audience, you you're like a doctor. Here's the prognosis. Here's where the sickness is. And here's how we're going to fix it. I never even got to the how we're going to fix it part because <laughs> he didn't like the negative part. And he actually said to me, he goes, you know, you keep saying that we have a lack of transparency. That's not the case. I want you to take that out of all the reports because we don't have a lack of transparency. They just don't understand what we're telling them. And I said, no, that's not really the case. Um, man, they're pretty smart. They, they just, so we, I, you know, that, that's a hard line as a consultant because you can't soft soap it. You can't say, okay, I'll, I'll take that out. I'll take that out. Whatever you want to scare. I had to say, no, I, I'm going to leave that in. And uh, it was a battle. I called Sydney a couple nights crying, literally, because I'm fighting over there, fighting, fighting, fighting. And I, I actually won. A, a, not not a complete win, but I got past that guy to the next guy, past that guy to the big guy, the big guy, the VP of communications. And he loved the report. But I had to fight and battle for it, and I had to learn about the culture. I had to learn about what works over there and how you got to be a little more gentle you got you got to kind of like couch terms differently and um you know it was a big learning experience for me absolutely do you have you have any stories i've got i've got stories all right oh boy
3: <laughs> uh sometimes we get in our own way um being consultants globally you've got to really <laughs> just be aware self awareness is is a big thing uh we were <laughs> in copenhagen speaking for the wonderful uh kurt kurt Swartzen, kurt uh from intro and uh we were uh you know we all went out for some drinks after the conference we were successful a uh, great time and had a few drinks you know i was i basis. was
2: i was the highest rated speaker
3: yes and so
2: uh choice forgets forget that part somehow
3: so on the way home we kind of are trying to be proactive about okay it, we may not feel the best the next day, and so. Wait,
2: like She skipped such an important part. We went out with about seven other people to this little dive bar called the Bobby Bar in Copenhagen. So fun! And it's no cameras are allowed in there. It's a lot of politicians are in there. It's cool. And we sat around this big wine keg, this wine barrel, and somebody challenged Cindy. Now Cindy's Irish, and Cindy has a hollow leg. Cindy can drink anybody under the table, which is why I married her. Challenge all. Um, yeah. So they, it was like right out of the scene from Indiana Jones. They were doing these <laughs> shots, and then they would turn it over. It and, and wasn't pop, that bad. And doing shot for shot with this one guy. And the guy stood up and stumbled out and fell into a snowbank. And he was just like, I'm fine. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, so anyway, we're walking home after that, and we were pretty tipsy. And go ahead. Try to. Well, we proactive. find a
3: convenience store because we think to ourselves, let's be proactive, try to help ourselves the next day. And we're trying to find alka-seltzer you know just usually that fuzzy stuff you put in your water and uh so steve has this tendency when we go to global locations again he's trying not to be american as much as possible which is hilarious because that's who we are um but he tries not to be so he sometimes will speak english but he tries to do it with an accent that is tied to wherever we're located. Don't ask me why. It's a weird tick he's got. He does this all the time. It's a bad tick, really. It's horrible. It's so horribly embarrassing. Really, so,
2: really bad in Asia. Oh, my God. <laughs> terrible.
3: So we, it's terrible. It's terrible. So we walk into this convenience store, and uh, we, we can't find it. Things aren't named the same, you know, that it is in America. So we're like, ah, it's probably in a different name. I'm like, see, just go ask the guy at the counter. So he goes up to the counter and turns on his weird Copenhagen Danish voice. I don't know what it was, but he goes up to the counter. He goes, excuse me, his weird voice. And the guy's just looking at him. He turns around and Steve goes, Elke Stelzer. He says it really loud and really slow. And I'm like looking at him like, Steve, what are you doing? He's not deaf. What are you doing? And he's just like, Elke Stelzer. And then he, he goes, do you guys know the commercial about the sales?er This is so amazing. So they used to have these commercials where it was plop plop, fizz fizz. Oh, what a relief it is! That was the jingle for this thing. He starts doing this to this poor man, rubbing <laughs> his stomach like plop plop, fizz fizz. And I'm like, I literally did a 360 and walked out like I'm like I'm not with him. Well, it turns out the guy like just stops them. And honest to God, in the most plain English ever, it was like our neighbor going, I know what you're saying. We don't have any.
2: Like, he was like completely American behind. I was like, seltzer Elka-Seltzer, and he kept shaking his head. So, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, so, Elka-Seltzer. It's kind of amazing we've made shaking, it this far. He shaking and, his head, and he goes, yeah, I hear you. We don't have any. <laughs> like, all right, I'll take a slim jim and a lighter. <laughs>
3: Go on your way. Go back. Go back home.
2: <laughs> it. It's not just you know dealing with other companies. It's it's, it's, us. it's dealing with yourself.
3: Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, it's kind of fun, but we have gone all over, been able to meet.
2: You know, I've done focus groups in so many different countries. Um, oh, tell the story about uh, for one project we did focus groups in England, France, and Singapore, all on the same trip. Yeah, tell that, tell it, that, it that was tell story awesome. Story. That was really cool. We have time to tell one more story. Oh yeah, time the world.
3: Absolutely. The thing is, is that when you do this, you know, one one of the things that um, I force myself to before I go and do focus groups, I usually do have a translator, um, which is either appointed by the organization that hired us or we can bring one in. But, you know, you've got to be partners with that translator. It's not just, hey, you know, Patrick, nice to meet you. You're going to translate. Here's my script, you know. There are lots of conversations leading up to there. So we know each other's personality. They understand what I'm trying to get at. Um, you know, I under, they help me understand just cues, cultural cues, you know, city that's going to be too harsh. You might want to word it this way or they'll interpret it this way. You know, it is a lot of conversations leading up to it just to make sure um, when we get there, it's a great conversation and productive and nobody's insulted. I'm aware of things we were going around and I was in France, uh, in Paris and my, my interpreter there was awesome. And they were pretty, these employees were pretty emotional about things that were happening at this organization at the time. So when we were talking about a specific topic, this one woman just unleashed, I mean, all in French. And I know a little bit of French, but she was speaking so fast. You know a I,
2: little bit of French, my eyeball. You, she knows that order line. She'll
3: she un <laughs> She
2: knows oh, been rude. Been rude. more Vinerouge. More it it's
1: true, doesn't right, it?
3: Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, she was talking so fast and she was super emotional about it, you know. And so literally after maybe about 20 minutes of time goes by, she would not stop talking. Um, I eventually interrupted and I said to the interpreter, can you just start to tell me what she's getting at here? And just, it's going on quite a bit, a long time. And he just turns to me, she goes, you know, she's she's French. She's she's always in a bad mood. That's what this is. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, like, I guess. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny. You have all kinds of uh, just great personalities out there, um, but it's it's just super important to get to the root of it by, coaching yourself in trying to be as prepared as possible you can't ask too many questions leading up to the actual time you engage with people in global offices just to really understand their point of view on things and make sure you don't clash with it
0: yeah and when when, if you're if you're let's say they're rolling out some kind of global communications um campaign or whatever um do you have to um look at the nuances there so for instance um you know uh, some things are bigger in, uh, in in some markets than others and do, you, do 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 you expect your clients to tailor that message uh, depending on where it is
2: yeah you re- you really have to um, you know there's the, there's the basics don't use american pop culture references don't you don't you know right. don't do that but you know the work environment in europe is very different than it is in america for instance which is different than it is in canada which is yep. way different than it is in japan uh, or asia yeah so you really got to rely on people on the ground there to to give you guidance and you can't, you know, as a consultant, there's a tendency to, you want to borrow somebody's watch and then tell them what time it is. You want to act like you know everything. Believe me, I'm a global consultant. I know how to work in Germany and Singapore. you got to kind of check your pride at the door and not act like a know-it-all. you you got to say, hey, I know communications, left and right, upside and down, black and white. I mean, I know it inside and out. Yeah. But I need your help to make it work in this particular area of the world.
3: Yeah, it's and it's crazy, like just the detail that can change. We we are working with a client right now based in Switzerland, and they have major markets in Germany, in uh, France, obviously Switzerland, the United States, and uh, we I have been working with them for several months now, just helping them create content um, for their websites. Their internal blogs like everywhere and we we were talking about an initiative that they were kicking off and we came up with a whole bunch of creative concepts and campaigns for them and it came down to one word and they just said well in france that translates to this or it sounds like this and they said it in in french and it just sounded clunky and weird like it was snappy in english right but uh it was funny like we would just take it and then translate it into we even got dinged. uh One of our things got dinged because it wasn't from somebody from the UK who said that's oh. not proper English. That's American English. You can't you can't say that. Yeah, like, okay, you, you guys, okay. Are, you
2: guys all <laughs> snobby when it comes to aren't you? All right,
3: I
0: then. did. I did mention I was Oxford University Press before. <laughs> right. we, we, yeah, you know We
2: this, are the, we are the
0: it, dictionary. Right? You know, we are the dictionary. So yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, yeah the old American English. I i can uh, i can attest to that so yeah i can understand the wrath that uh that, that came your way i yeah. I, I,
2: always, I always say Cindy <laughs> and i were in paris once for business but then we went to a bar afterwards because that's what we do and i put my money on the bar which in america is perfectly normal uh, totally you know the bartender will sometimes just take money out of there as he gives you drinks But so the bartender comes over to me and whenever we you know this is why i have kind of that tick I always try to at least greet the person in the, nat- in the native language and I say, I don't speak your language, but I'm, I'm willing to learn and try. So you're not like the typical ugly American. Right? So I said, I always apologize. this um, you know, this Bubbling idiot French.
3: Yeah.
2: And uh, the guy comes over and he starts talking to us in English. And he starts telling us where the cool jazz really birds are. Really yeah. And he goes, put your money in your pocket. Don't leave it on the bar, because somebody will snatch it. It's just, that's not what you do here. And he's so nice. Then these three American guys come in, and they're fat, and they're loud. And he, he goes, Heineken. Ha! And he, Americans think if you say something louder, um, the, other, the other person will understand For example. <laughs> And they were such so the Americans. And this French bartender pretended not to speak English. <laughs> He really nice and, that's, and then those guys are going to go home and say, oh, Parisians are rude. He's like, no, you were rude, you jerk. <laughs> uh, but, but that's exactly, as a consultant, I would say to American consultants, don't go in there thinking everything is American-centric. Over here, everyone thinks the world revolves around America, and it doesn't. And you got to let go of that and say, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing in Singapore. Um, I can help you with your communication campaign. I can do all the right stuff, but I need your help. Yeah. And that's the main thing to working internationally is have an open mind and admit that you don't, you you don't. You just, right. you know. You can't cut corners. You got to just, yeah. got to listen. Yeah.
1: Real. And I think I had one last question, which is, so being British, I have absolutely no idea, but is there like different like nuances even within like America? So like across the USA, will comms differ in any way?
2: I think so because, yeah. you know, I... I I speak all over the country and I have, Cindy is not with me speaking all over the country, but I spoke, I had a company going for 10 years before she joined. And originally, by the way, she joined because um, she was going to run the actual business, which she does, because I I was very good at consulting, very good at speaking, but I wasn't very good at running a business. I would have like stacks of invoices that I never billed and, and um, I was, it was in bed. So Cindy came in and bailed me out <laughs> of that. And now, now she speaks as much as I do. But I remember whenever I go to the south, the south of our country, you you, you, you got to be way more conservative. It's the Bible Belt. People are more religious down there. I, you know, half my jokes, I don't tell because they might offend somebody. You know, you go out to California, you can say whatever the hell you want. Uh, New York, New York, you're going to get a lot of questions. You're going to get a lot of Q&A because New Yorkers are loud and they're opinionated and they want to they want to participate in the workshop. They want to they're not going to sit there and be passive. They're going to say hey, they're going to challenge you in New York. California, they're going to laugh. Down south, you got to be more conservative. Canadians, anything goes in Canada. I got news for you. Those people are <laughs> whacked out up there. Anything goes. They are you can, they are a <laughs> randy bunch. You can make sex jokes and drinking jokes, doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, even in North America, it varies where you go. True.
3: Yeah.
0: Thank you very much for your time this morning. It's uh, really appreciated, and um, I'm—I feel like I've got hiccups now from laughing so much. So uh, yeah. thank you very yeah, much.
2: We're—we're we're very honored. We love Simply. Yes. Thanks uh, we're, for we're thinking of us. Big fans of Simply. Big fans of you guys. You guys do great, great work. You're much needed in this industry. Yes. And uh, hopefully we'll get over there and speak again soon. Yeah.
0: We can't. We we, we really want. We really yeah. want to get you at one of our events. So yeah, real feel- awesome. Well, great,
2: great meeting <laughs> yes. you both,
0: and um, let's stay in touch. Let's be friends forever.